Hey, Real Nerds. There's many ways to enjoy the Real Nerds podcast. You can listen to us on Stitcher, iTunes, and now Spotify and iHeartRadio. You can see what we're up to around town by following us at Real Nerds on Instagram. And if you want to send us your thoughts, you can email us at realnerds at gmail.com or call us at 720-6NERDS5. Like us on Facebook at Real Nerds Podcast or tweet us at Real Nerds. And now on with the show. This is Real Nerds Podcast, and for 10 years, every week, we have been bringing you a new podcast about a movie we've been watching. This week, it was One Night in Miami. Stay tuned to the end of the podcast, where we will tell you if you see the movie, play the trailer, and then spoil the movie. Uh, We also talk about movies that we've been watching, movie news, movies that are coming out that you can purchase, and general banter. General Banter is not my favorite member of the uh, United <laughs> States Army. It's the less known sequel to Sergeant York. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of weird that they asked Gary Cooper's brother, Derry Cooper, to, to play the lead role. But <laughs> Hey, Brad, I haven't listened all the way through um, the film Splosion episode, and I got an email from Carol saying her film Splosion list was incomplete. Uh, That's on James then, because James was the one who read it. Yeah, talk to her son. He read it. So, um, if you don't mind, I'm going to read Carol's film explosion list. Yay! (laughs) We should also clarify that James and his mom don't speak to each other anymore. It's only through the podcast. (laughs) James has Um, a big head now. He doesn't even talk to his mom about real nerds. Uh, she said, I was listening to Film Explosion and something went wrong with my email. James just read the beginning and said, that's it. Maybe he was a little distracted. So It was a long one. I think we were trying to wrap it up at that point. But I mean, she was the only one who's, who sent an email at all. So I don't know what happened. He did all have right. a new kid like two weeks later. So he had that baby brain going on. Yeah, that's fine. Anyways, um, hello there, real nerds. Usually at this time, I complain about the scheduling of the film explosion so early in the year. This year, who cares? My first thought was 2020 film explosion. Seriously, I have nothing to say. Well, if you know me at all, you know that's never true. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> when it comes to this year. Then come every- on the podcast, Carol. If you have so much to say, we would love to hear it. Yes, replace <laughs> your son. <laughs> and now that we're virtual on Zoom, you have no excuse. You don't even have to go anywhere. You just like pop onto your computer. Bing, bang, boom, you're on the show. Uh, I've already tried. She doesn't want to be on. She likes listening. Boo. Ah, come we on don't the show, James's- Carol. We don't boo James's mom. Yeah, I don't, Car- I'm not booing her as much as her decision. Carol, you do whatever you want to do. We love you and we best you. I checked the IMDb list of the top 300 movies released in 2020. I've seen 10, 11, watching it now. Uh, And we only saw one of them in theater. That was on March 6th. Up until then, we saw movies that were in 2019. Crazy. I checked our history on Prime and Netflix. Not much to write home about there. We watched several series, miniseries, and older movies. We have found a few gems along the way. It has been fun and sometimes frustrating trying to find things that are good enough to recommend to anyone. The Guernsey Literary, Literary, Literary and Potato Pill Pie Society is one. The last that, couple movies. That's a good movie. 
uh, we have watched uh, last couple of weeks. We've watched nine Christmas movies. Yikes. Um, loved the Mandalorian. Probably the best thing we've seen this year. Brad, have you continued to watch Discovery? Star Trek Discovery? No, I'm still. Yeah. Uh, I, I haven't. I haven't watched season three yet. So, is there spoilers coming up? Uh, no, she says I haven't heard any, you say anything about it, and I'm a few episodes behind. It yeah, makes been me a little crazy. Dragging my feet on uh, resubscribing to, I guess Paramount Plus now. Yeah, I have it because my in-laws signed up and gave me their login. <laughs> it's definitely an old person like streaming service. Yeah, they got like all the good uh, like old TV shows on it, like Taxi and Dick Van Dyke Show. So. Yeah, but it's also like the the posters or selections are really big. <laughs> Anyways, um, <laughs> I'm not even going to attempt to make a top 10 list. I will say a little about Let Him Go. Oh, my. This is a very good movie. It's a really hard, beautifully told story. So intense. I agree with Brad that I expected an invitation to Peter J. Wonder Woman 1984. We decided to watch a double feature of Wonder Woman and Wonder Woman 84 on New Year's Eve. Enjoy the first one and very disappointed in the second. So different from the first, too comic bookish. Um, yeah, I think the story is like, you know, the wish granting thing is a struggle. Which is weird to um, say after we just like celebrated the Infinity Gauntlet for 10 years. But <laughs> yeah, but you know, it, like I said, the MacGuffin of, uh, artifact that grants wishes is really weird um emma enjoyed it and holds a special place because it was the last movie we saw at alamo onward this is a wonderful movie enola holmes i'm a holmes fan this was a little different i had a few issues but had fun with it (laughs) she always surprised me with some bad boys for life rich said to tell you that it was better than the (laughs) the man (laughs) Funny thing, out of 300 movies on IMDb list, there are 22 that I'm interested in. Hopefully, I'll hear more about them on this in this episode. Oh, by the way, I agree with whatever James said about McMillions. One episode was all it took for when we were hooked. Hope you're all well. I hope to see you soon in 2021. Love y'all, Carol. Uh, and new edition, Wild Mountain Time. This is such a wonderful story. Love these quirky characters and the beautiful scenery. And now that I've listened to your list, we have a few more to look forward to. Cool. I need to see Wild Mountain Time. I haven't watched it yet. I don't think Carol's going to watch Mank. (laughs) (laughs) And you got to expand your uh, Emily Blunt uh, a thon. I know. Fuck. Thanks, Carol. Thanks, Carol. We appreciate it. Maybe Corinne doesn't, but I do. I, I just want her to come on the show. I think she'd have a good time. I think so, too. That would be the final episode of the show is that Carol finally comes on the show. <laughs> I've been trying for 10 years. <laughs> 10 long years. It's all come down to this. Carol v. Real Nerds. I lost everything. <laughs> <laughs> and one person brought me back. <laughs> Tell me, nerds, do you bleed? <laughs> Just imagining Carol in the Ben Affleck bat suit now. <laughs> <laughs> I 
this. I do feel like maybe she should like write in a little more often. Like maybe just like Carol, anytime you see like a cool movie, like just send us a quick email. And let us know what it was that we're missing out on. Yeah. Yeah. Even if it's Honest Thief. I'll listen to opinions about Honest Oh my Thief God. Carol. <laughs> let Honest Thief go, Zach. Okay. I will not let him go. <laughs> <laughs> If you bring up Honest Thief again, I'll bring up Tiger King. No, no. Okay. okay. I'll, beha- I'll behave. I'll behave. <laughs> <laughs> that is so weird. Like, why is that the thing that triggers you? It's, I, I just, I, I thought we had passed it. I thought we were done. And I, and it's all my own fault for also hashing up Honest Thief. So I'm to blame too. This is movie news. It's real news. Let's start off with something happy, guys. Something very happy coming to Apple TV. It's the Snoopy Show. Charlie Brown and the gang are heading to Apple TV, and that trailer looks adorable. It's cute. It's standard 2D animation, like a cleaned up version of their 70s cartoons. Yep. Looks very splendid. And you can start watching this on February 5th, 2021. So I tell everybody, one of my favorite uh, Ultra HDs is the Peanuts movie. It looks amazing on Ultra HD. That's one I want to pick up. I still got the the Blu-ray, but that's an (laughs) (laughs) When I got it, Ryan, it was the collector's edition Blu-ray. I didn't have a 4K player. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry, I swear. Um, I did just get my phone upgraded, so I got like that free year of Apple plus or apple tv or whatever so i'm gonna have to yeah i'm gonna have to like log in because i've heard good things about ted lasso and then also wolf walkers is on there you know maybe you know the answer to this corinne can you i guess i didn't even try can you put it on your tv because i really don't want to watch movies on my phone i don't know i mean if you have apple tv obviously you can but i don't have an apple tv so i have no idea fuck I'll look that up. I'll get back to you. I got a new iPhone about eight months ago, and I got it free as well. And I have not watched a single thing. One, the interface is really clunky because when you open it, it doesn't just take you to Apple TV+. Plus. It takes you and shows you everything you can watch on Apple TV, which you have to pay for some of the stuff. They just You have to actually select that you want to go to the stuff that you can stream. So it's kind of annoying. Okay. I mean, well, yeah. Am- Amazon used to have that issue. They don't anymore. Now the you answer, the now answer you can... to your question, Ryan, is yes. You can watch Apple TV Plus shows on non-Apple devices. All right. So I I'm assuming if you get the if you find the app or whatever on Roku or something, you can shouldn't be a problem. You've got cool. a Samsung. You've got a Samsung, right, Ryan? Yeah. Odds are the apps there because Disney Plus got on there pretty quick. So. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, uh, I guess I should look, not be lazy. Anyways. Yeah. Maybe. Hey, hey, no excuses. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, anyway, moving on, though. Uh, Corinne mentioned Apple TV Plus and Apple Plus and all the plus signs. Uh, CBS All Access, which is the non-plus titled streaming service, will now be becoming Paramount Plus, thus conforming to everybody else. Um, so it makes in- more. It makes more sense. Like the CBS All Access, you you think that you're just getting CBS shows, yeah. And if you if you make a bigger umbrella, saying no, we're you know 
Viacom and Paramount, you can watch, I don't know, Indiana Jones here. Yeah. And actually, this will be the great place for you to pick up eventually films such as A Quiet Place 2, Top Gun Maverick, uh, Snake Eyes, uh, Clifford the Big Red. Do- oh, wait, no, I forgot that we're, we're not talking about that movie um, and the movie Rumble. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it makes sense that they're doing it. Um, I just don't like the name Paramount Plus for whatever reason. I wish they had come up with something different, but that's whatever. It's nitpicking at this point. Um, but yeah, it looks like starting in March, the uh, rebrand will be fully operational uh, in both the United States and Latin America. Um, so yeah, uh, look forward to Paramount Plus. Um, Ryan, there's some news that you can probably shed more light on than I can. Uh, there's going to be a Spider-Man ride in Disneyland for the Marvel world? Yeah, it's called uh, Web of Spider-Man. It's awesome. They've they announced it coming uh, uh about a year and a half ago mm-hmm. and it was supposed to open i think in june of 2020 um wait what could have caused it to delay oh wait never mind yeah so the the whole avengers uh campus or whatever it's calling avenger academy at disney california adventure mm-hmm. um has spider-man it has the guardians of the galaxy ride an avengers ride and it has a lifelike animatronic Spider-Man that swings from building to building. Um, and I'm guessing part of the deal with Sony is Tom Holland is Spider-Man in the ride. And it looks awesome. Is the uh, Spider-Man leftover from Turn Off the Dark? <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> it's going to uh, kill. That Brad will kill people. <laughs> I think if you go online and go to YouTube, you can actually... You can type in Spider-Man Disney animatronic and they have a preview of what it does. It's pretty impressive. Does has, has it at any point said that it has to eliminate the human race? No, we're good. Okay, good. I just, just as long as you don't use flash photography. Okay. <laughs> nice Simpsons poll. That, that is, that's a, that's old Simpsons too. Yeah. yeah. Now, remember Ryan, we parked in the itchy lot. <laughs> no. <laughs> there we made it let us never speak of the shortcut again <laughs> um well anyway yeah be sure to go check out the spider-man ride and don't forget to get your board license plates at the new uh 20th century fox booth over at disneyland um um Moving on, um, I know I said some stuff about Liam Neeson the last couple of weeks, but I, I have a moment where he can redeem himself because it seems like Seth MacFarlane wants to reboot the Naked Gun, and he wants Liam Neeson to take on the Frank Drebin role. And I'm not—I'm not opposed to that at all. <laughs> no, that I sounds, think it's a great idea. Why? Because yeah. Liam Neeson sounds like Leslie Nielsen. Maybe that's his thinking, <laughs> and I—and you know what? That's fine. Let him let him do that. Um, I just like the idea, though, primarily because. Um, Le- Liam Neeson has done really well doing straight delivery in comedy films recently, like the Lego movie. So this is oh, I think wheelhouse. well, I think in uh, is it Ted Two where oh, he's Lucky Charms with the Lucky Charms, with the Lucky Charms is amazing. <laughs> yeah, and part if, of that movie, <laughs> and he could literally be so meta that the new Naked Gun movies could spoof his Taken movies while he's being Frank Drebin, and I yeah. think that's brilliant idea yeah and actually um i know this movie doesn't get talked up enough but i like him in a million ways to die in the west so he knows how to play off of other comedians so you know we'll see what he can do with things but anyway i hope that another option 
would be uh, Daniel Craig. If you've seen that SNL skit where he does like a Bond parody with all the like regular people in the casino, like you can tell like he's having a lot of fun with it and he's actually got some pretty good uh, comic timing. But he's got Dubois now. He do- he's got he's got Ryan Johnson. He doesn't need Seth MacFarlane right now. It's a different di- different situation. He's he's gonna solve mysteries. I mean, he could, why can why not both? <laughs> Por qué no los dos, Zach? <laughs> but just okay, sure. I mean, fine. So you're saying you don't want Liam Neeson to get work? <laughs> I mean, he can. Why? Well, maybe they could do it together. Who knows? <laughs> Who cares? Actually, just. Just pair them up as brothers who solve mysteries. I'll, I'll watch that. Um, anywho, um, let's move on. Um, more things are shuffling again and again and again. Um, <clears throat> amongst the latest reshuffles are Last Night in Soho, Nobody, Ghostbusters, Afterlife, uh, the Uncharted movie that has yet to reveal itself as actually happening until I see it in front of my eyes. Um, and... Uh, Top Gun, um, well, wait, not Top Gun, Maverick. No, uh, No Time to Die, sorry, No Time to Die, which has now been delayed again to October 2021. Um, so suffice it to say, everything's moving around. There's some interesting, like, at least clarification coming from Searchlight Pictures, though. They've had a whole slate of things. Um, the Night House, The Eyes of Tammy Faye, um, and they've had two Guillermo del Toro uh, projects, one of them being Antlers, which is directed by Scott Cooper, which now has um, a new release date set up for it. You'll be seeing that on October 29th, 2021. And Guillermo del Toro's next directorial effort since The Shape of Water, uh, his remake um, of the movie Nightmare Alley, which is a noir film involving carny folk. Uh, and you will be able to see that remake um, on December 3rd, 2021, uh, which also features Willem Dafoe. And that's 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 the best. Um, have you ever seen Nightmare Alley, Ryan? I have not. You might want to look it up before the remake comes out. It's um, it's it's um, it's 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 a it's a very heavy noir that has the censorship issues by the very end of it, but it like, it drags you deep and deep and deeper than you think you could go at that era. Um, it's really good. Nice. Um, uh, and then uh, <clears throat> we'll move on to some Disney plus news. Um, this February, all five seasons of the Muppet show are coming to Disney plus, And the only reason I announced that. Yeah. Is because... yeah. Hooray! <laughs> hey Ryan, it's time to play the music and it's time to light those lights. Um and uh, yeah, so you'll get all five seasons of that. This is the show they did in the seventies where it's a little bit more of a mix of adult and children's content. Um, got guest stars like Alice Cooper, Mark, Mark Hamill, Elton John, Liza Minnelli, uh, Gene Kelly, all your favorites that you don't remember unless your parents told you about them. You can watch those. And Steve Martin too. Everybody remembers Steve Martin. Um, there's some uh, theater news that we'll just shake off of our backs right now. Uh, movie theaters um, are still struggling within all this. Um, AMC is keeping <laughs> bankruptcy at bay. Um, and uh, Regal Cinema has now decided to join the um, club on the whole release windows deal uh, in order to uh, stay afloat, um, which, I mean, they've got a reopen period. So I guess they're going to hold on to whatever option they can. Uh 
I don't know. Has there been any reports that anybody's aware of of Regal and Cineworld reopening their locations, or is it all still just dead in the water? Uh, I haven't heard anything. I mean, I just read an interview with the head of AMC, and they got enough money to make it to the end of 2021. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, a lot of people were pissed at Warner Brothers for what they're doing. Mm-hmm. But I think, in a way, they're going to help keep the theaters open at 25% capacity mm-hmm. uh, with their films that are coming out. You know, I mean, I can't wait. I, I'm going to see Godzilla versus Kong in IMAX. So, oh, what a way to segue into <laughs> yeah. possibly uh, the the. So the a lot most... of people were pissed at HBO Max and Warner Brothers at the time, but I think that might be the best option to get people slowly back into theaters mm-hmm. because uh, the CEO of AMC even said that there is no confirmed transmit uh, cases transmitted from his theaters so right and i haven't heard i haven't heard really anything confirmed that any cases have been caught so that's what that is but anyway i hope that everything uh plays out well for itself now but you already mentioned godzilla versus kong so i'll just move into that oh we got a trailer for godzilla versus kong and guys it's godzilla versus kong and it looks dope and i want it now Four more years. No, I just want Godzilla versus Kong in my lap. How any by any means necessary now, um, which probably will be theater because I do want to see that on as big a screen as possible. And it looks like it, all the fun, uh, all the fun actors are coming back from the previous uh, monster era films. Um, you know, it's one of those things where I just I, I, the kid in me will always want to see monsters fight. Yeah, and even though the last couple. I think Kong Skull Island is really fun. Uh, Godzilla King of the Monsters is okay, you know, but I I still really want to watch it. I think ultimately when it's all said and done, Ryan, uh, we don't have to worry about those human actors because we all know where we're going. We're going there for a CGI spectacle, and I can totally conform and accept to that because did you you see them tossing each other back and forth in that ocean? I got, I I want it, Ryan. Can we we go and can we break into Warner Brothers and steal the print? <laughs> I don't think I don't think that's like allowed, but I kind of don't care. <laughs> I already know how it's going to end, though. They're both going to find out their mother's name is Martha, and then you know, <laughs> there's just subtitles as Kong uh, beats his chest, and it goes, "Why did you say that name?" <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Then Godzilla sacrifices himself, gets buried in the ocean, but then you see a bunch of fish float up in the air. <laughs> That's how you know there will be a monster league. <laughs> Doomsday Mothra jumps out of the ocean and just takes them all on. Yeah, could they maybe fight the 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 wasp woman or the fifty foot woman from the Roger Corman like era? Like why why don't we just throw any monster in there at this point? <laughs> like oh, you know what they should do, Gamera. Because Gamera is friend to children. And who doesn't want to see a giant turtle fight a giant lizard and a giant monkey? <laughs> I'm down. I'm down for all these ideas. Um, I have a piece of news that Brian might find interesting. Um, I guess nope. this. <laughs> so, uh, as we all know, Top Gun is getting a sequel called Top Gun Maverick. Um, it was a pair. Apparently, because of all the delays, Netflix and Apple both uh, sought out 
to buy Top Gun Maverick from Paramount Pictures. Uh, and then uh, Tom Cruise responded with, you know, you have a lot of nerve. <laughs> um, and then uh, they, yeah, they turned that. that well, yeah, you're going to turn it down because <laughs> are they going to offer you a billion dollars? Yeah. If not, I tell them to go fuck themselves. No. And what's more, Ryan, the movie is now supposed to be hitting theaters July 2nd, 2021. I think, and I could be wrong, but I think that will happen. In yeah. fact, I think that even Black Widow might happen because it's been kind of quiet about it. Mm-hmm. I think Disney is, uh, I read an interview with Kevin Feige and I think they're playing it pretty close to the chest, but they're going to see how the next month or so happens with someone more competent running things and yeah. Um, and see how it goes. Because even if uh, Black Widow gets delayed, I don't think it's going to get delayed that long. I think it's going to get delayed maybe to June. I, I, I have a theory, Ryan, and maybe it's out of line, but hear me out, because it does favor your favorite star. July 2nd, 2021, Top Gun Maverick comes out to theaters. July 4th, 2021 ends up becoming the biggest box office for a uh, uh, 4th of July weekend ever because Top Gun Maverick is in theaters. Um, I don't know if that's feasibly possible given the COVID world we live in, but I just want anything to break that box office window if yeah. possible. <laughs> well, I, I think that once people, enough people are vaccinated and people have confidence again, people are want to go going to go back to their normal lives. And oh, no uh, doubt. And, and going to movies is part of it. And I can tell people that are listening to this show, I've been to the movies countless times and they're safe and they're fine. Just, you know, follow the rules while you're there and you'll be good to go. Yeah. Like we, we've, we've all gone and, you know, everybody's taking it seriously. AMC makes you fill out a list for contract tracing. They're not screwing around. So, uh, yeah. As we've talked about before, I think the greater risk of transmission isn't with the guests, it's with the staff. Well, yeah, you found that out through the In-N-Out burgers here in Colorado. Yep, and the Chick-fil-A's. Why did you all wait 12 hours in line for a fucking burger? That's it, It's okay. It's not the. It's a good burger if you're in California. I, well, it's, you're, you've been locked in your home for so long. Like, I guess fuck so. It. Yeah, I guess so. But my, my sister pointed out, for the 12 hours you were waiting there, you could have driven to Vegas, gotten an In-N-Out burger there, and then driven home. Like, <laughs> and, uh, I, mean, I never would, but... I mean, I don't know. I know I... But yeah, anyway, yeah, it's whatever. Um, two more pieces of news. Jeff Nichols, um, the director of such films as Take Shelter and um, James's favorite movie of 2013, Mud, um, was set to do an Alien Nation remake um, based on the 1988 uh, buddy cop film. Uh, and now he has apparently turned it into a 10 episode series pitch and he's hoping Disney will make it. Um, so, yeah, we'll see if that develops anytime soon. Um that sounds a little bit more lucrative within the environment, given the fact that it seems like if you're going to pitch an idea like Alien Nation, which is a little like cultish, you might want to just try it for television. But yeah. Um, anywho, um, I don't think I've ever seen Alien Nation, and I kind of want to watch this movie now. It looks, it's got James Caan and Mandy Patinkin in it. it. Looks like some fun. Meh. Meh. Okay. And uh, last piece of news: um, we lost. We lost the legend, uh, Great Beyond Wisconsin, you're on the air, because Larry King, who was in Ghostbusters and some other movies, uh, has passed away at the age of 87. Um, 
Uh, he was in f- other films such as The Contender, Enemy of the, Enemy of the State, Bullworth, and Contact. Um, but we all know that he was famous for <laughs> over 6,000 episodes of a show on CNN and his radio show out of Washington, D.C. Um, I think each and every one of us, to an extent, has had a Larry King memory slash experience watching his show in some form or fashion. Um, I don't know if um, anybody has any particular fond memories, but I've I've been my mom had him on all the time. Uh, and I have ended up having to go back to a lot of his recordings for research for my convention lecture. So um, he's definitely had had that a unique style un, only, only unto him. So it's a shame that he has left us, but um, he left behind a hell of a legacy. That's not a doubt in the world, to be sure. So, so. Uh, just recently, Joe McHale shared this conversation he was having with uh, Danny Pudi. And he asked him what his dream was or something along the lines of that. And, you know, Danny Pudi said, oh, you know, just being happy and yada, yada, yada. And you're going with this. And uh, Larry King said, don't you want a private jet or something? And Danny Pudi said, I'm a voice on DuckTales. DuckTales. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That was a wonderful clip. Everybody's like, it seems like all of the, anybody who got to interview with him either during his CNN show or in his web show years has shared a memory. Paul F. Tompkins shared a wonderful one of him looking awkward as all hell as Larry King's trying to introduce him. Uh, that was like an adorable thing to watch. Um, he did, um, uh, he, he did a lot of like death tributes. The one, the one I fondly uh, firmly remember is the Bob Hope one when Bob Hope died. Cause that's when I, around the time I got into like people like Bob Hope, like they did a full tribute and like then everybody calling in and everybody sharing memories. It was just interesting to watch him facilitate all that while wearing suspenders and looking fairly sharp at the same time. Um, so yeah, it's a shame, but he was 87. Um, he had contracted COVID, um, but he had been diagnosed with lung cancer in 2017 and, had gone over pre- uh, procedure for Angia in 2019. So he's had a series of health issues um, as well as a series of wives, but that's beside the point. Um, and yeah, uh, a hell of a win. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Just what else can you say? <laughs> I don't know. You didn't say it very well though. I, These I are did. Blu-rays that are coming out next week. DVD releases and Blu-rays. I, I apologize to the estate of Larry King and his many wives that I messed this up. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, Ryan, I'm confused with Blu-rays this week. Can you help me solve this mystery? Sure. So you already got room for one more of the Blu-ray upgrade, right? Uh, no, it's coming tomorrow. Okay, okay. so then this is correct. All right, so yes. this week on Blu-ray, um, we've got a bunch of retro titles coming out because that's all we still have, really. Um, we'll start off with the Warner Archive lot. After the Thin Man, uh, the second in the Thin Man series has come to Warner Archive Blu-ray. Uh, you can follow the adventures of Nick and Nora and Asta too as they solve yet another mystery. Um, you can also get room for one more uh, with Cary Grant and Betsy Drake. Uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let that breathe. You can also get room for one more with the incomparable, the stylish, never goes out of style classic cool Cary Grant and a second wife. 
<laughs> Sorry. Yes, you're right. Let me ref- can I can I rephrase it real quick, Ryan? Yes. To the, to the, okay. Yeah. Also, this week you can get room for one more, starring that classic cool himself, Mr. Cary Grant, who is all the, who is not only the subject of an article series by Mr. Ryan Frost on RealNerdsPodcast.com. Thank you. Uh, not only a legend in cinema throughout all of its many, many decades, and also the subject of a secret history of Hollywood biography podcast no, no, series. No. Only yeah, gonna, promote mine. No, no, you both get room in my heart. So that's what this is. Nope. Um, But actually, no, sincerely, though, this is the movie that you've been recommending to me, and you gave me the DVD version, so I'm going to pop it on this week. Standard definition. Fuck you. you That's what what I think of you. You know what? Blurry and unrefined. Hey, Better than having no print of the movie at all, am I right? <laughs> considering considering that all the research material I've had to watch last week has been standard death from Warner Archive, I consider myself a pretty lucky man that those even exist, period. Because they don't yeah, even need their, to. Even their DVDs on Warner Archive are actually pretty nice. They're oh, yeah. Bad. like the um, uh, I got one of the Mortal Storm not too long ago, and I haven't watched the full movie, but I popped in to see how it looked, and it looked fantastic. And I'm like, this is a, you know off the wall James Stewart, early James Stewart movie. So um, I mean I get the impression that just from the way Ryan talks, like he would go blind if he saw my DVD collection. He'd be like, what DVDs? Oh can't be Look at all that anti-aliasing and jagged lines and unsmoothness and crushed blacks. What Corinne, are we don't, like? don't Corinne, <laughs> don't show him all the scratches on those discs. I guess if any criminals in Idaho Springs want to get away from you, all they have to do is like start throwing DVDs at you, and you'll just be like, "Oh no!" And then they get away. I'll be going like, "What the fuck?" That would be an amazing cop chase if Ryan (laughs) was like supplanted by used DVDs from Corinne's library. Like, ah, my fair lady, no. (laughs) I gave my my fair lady DVD away because it was. I have the Blu-ray now, so I don't need it. Oh, ooh, but I still fan- got my little princess snapcase over there. <laughs> snapcase snapcases are nothing to sneeze at. I like the way they look on a shelf. Um, anyway, uh, if you're looking for some more modern fare and not black and white movies that only Ryan and I care about, you can watch Southland Tales from 2006. This is Richard Kelly film. That, That's fucking uh, a weird movie. Yeah, that confused a lot of people. Has Kevin Smith in it as a legless war vet and Dwayne Johnson. Uh, but yeah, you can check it out. And hopefully it has the comic attached so you can catch up with the entire story. Because that's apparently how it's supposed to be watched. Um, uh, there is a new release this week. is Fat Man with Mel Gibson, Walter Goggins. Uh, the 2020 movie about trying to hunt down Santa Claus. Um, so if you want to pick that up, you're more than welcome to. Um, Criterion is putting out The Ascent from 1977. I have no idea what this is, but maybe somebody out there does. Uh, Agfa is putting out the Agfa Horror Trailer Show, uh, which have they done this before, Ryan, or is this a new thing they're doing? Uh, doesn't sound familiar, but that'd be cool. Watch a bunch of shitty trailers. Yeah, that's Agfa. It's the same co- uh, the same organization that helps run a lot of stuff at the Alamo Draft House, um, which I'm hoping that when they or back up in full, full, full swing that they uh, have more series like that. Um, here's a Batman movie coming out. Batman Soul of the Dragon. Uh, Brad, what, do you know what this is? Is this an adaptation or is this is just an OG thing? Uh, I've lost track of the uh, straight-to-video Batman stuff. It looks I, think like... it, I think it's an uh, uh, original okay. story. 
okay. takes place it's, in the 70s. It's like a martial arts kind of movie. Ooh, I'd be down. I didn't, I, I don't, did I watch Batman? Yeah, I watched Batman Ninja. It was fine. So maybe I'll enjoy this. I don't know. Uh, uh, the Pajama Game with Doris Day coming to Warner Archive. That's a film that I believe James has talked about. Question mark. I don't know. Uh, and then I remember I watched that a long time ago, freshman year of high school, because that was our musical for the year. You did so the pajama game as you did the pajama game as a musical. Yep. Well, I, I mean, I wasn't in it. I just did the lights. So. Well, yeah, like like a champ, but like I I I just that's cool. That's that sounds like a fun musical. Don't know. I, I don't know. So we watched the movie for some reason. <laughs> Research, Corinne. You need to know how to light this thing properly. <laughs> no, that was like for an acting class that was completely unrelated to the musical. Like most of the people who were in the acting class were not involved in the musical at all. So, okay. but our acting teacher was weird. So, uh, I gotcha. Well, uh, you don't have to worry about him anymore, Corinne. You've got anime to catch up on okay. uh, and uh i said something about gamma or gamma earlier as we all know gamma is friend to children and now he is friend to blu-ray because you can get from arrow uh gamma the showa era the films of his from 1965 to 1980 and the high era from 1995 to 2006 so there's more gamma in your life than you ever possibly thought you'd want uh and if you want even more Gamera, watch MST3K. Uh, and then 2020's Come Play, um, the story about the, is it the uh, tablet that comes to life? Um, Ryan, have you seen this? Uh, I don't know what comes to life. I know it's a monster that can only be seen with the tablet. Mm-hmm. And it actually has gotten really good reviews. Really? But it, I won't blind buy it because it's $20 and there's no special features on it. Uh, is this Blumhouse? Uh, I don't know. It's a universal film and they're notorious for their movies yeah. that aren't uh, really big box office films to be released for some reason really expensive on Blu-ray with no special features. Yeah, that's a shame. You know what will have some special features, I'm sure? Vinegar Syndrome is putting out Fade to Black from 1980. Uh, this is a film that has definitely uh, not aged well by the premise alone. A shy, lonely film geek goes on a killing spree against those who bully and browbeat him, while at the same time he stalks his idol. Uh, so yeah, if you want to check out Fade to Black, this is a rather uh famous slasher film from like any it's featured in nearly every documentary about a slasher movie at least the poster is um so yeah ryan have you seen fade to black nope neither have i maybe we'll have to check it out and see what yeah this, what it's all about i do re- recall it being discussed as a title that was hard to acquire for some companies but yeah that's all I recall at the moment. Um, and that looks like it's about it, unless I'm missing something. There's a lot of anime that maybe Corinne knows about, but I don't know. Uh, yeah, that's Blu-rays, guys. There's more stuff next week, trust me. Here's movies and stuff we've watched throughout the week and what we've been watching. So, uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. Brad, I'm going to start with you because you've been really quiet. Uh, sure. Let's see. What should I start with? Um, 
I guess continuing from last week, uh, I watched the Righteous Gem- Righteous Gemstones, and it wasn't quite as like zany funny as I expected. It's actually more of a dramedy. Um, yeah, about uh, Danny McBride. Uh, God, what the, what are their names? John Goodman. John Goodman. Um, that dude from the Workaholics. Uh, and their sister have a uh, mega church, and uh, Danny McBride gets blackmailed because he does like a night of uh, prostitutes and cocaine, and uh, they try to find out who's blackmailing them. And yeah, it's 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 only one season; it's pretty short, but uh, it's it's a, actually kind of like a lot of dramatic moments where uh, they come to terms with being like a really shitty family. Hmm. So. Um, and their hypocrisy is exposed, you know. So, it wasn't too bad, but yeah, it's it's not as doesn't it doesn't have that crazy hijinks that Eastbound and Down or uh, Vice Principals had. So, I I know it's supposed to have a second season that got greenlit in 2019, but now it's just a matter of Danny McBride sitting down to do it and then eventually making it. Yeah, I was surprised uh, how much uh, writing credit he had. I didn't expect that. So yeah, he's been he. He keeps himself busy. I know the, clearly the Halloween movies have kept him busy for a hot minute. So yeah, um, but yeah. Uh, cool. Speaking of the DC movies, I watched Death of the Family, uh, which is huh. the latest. Yeah, I, mine's been sitting on my shelf since it was seven dollars. <laughs> Did you call in to find out who would get to to decide who would get killed, Brad? Or no, it's it, yeah, I, I watched it streaming on HBO Max. So it's, it's linear, like you just watch the thing. And yeah, the uh, the title story is only like 20 minutes of it. Really? Yeah. Okay. So what's, uh, what it's like just like what happened other? with the killing joke. Wait, it's, someone pick one. <laughs> oh, that I was saying it's just like what happened with the killing joke. No, uh, like the killing joke was stretched out and padded. Um to like what an hour yeah probably but this is minutes this is just bruce wayne sitting in a diner you eventually figure out he's talking to superman clark kent um and he's just telling you what i remember reading from that book of the joker beating up robin to death and blowing him up and then how robin turns into red hood hmm um, like, like, yeah, he's just sitting there, just telling you the entire story. It's one of the most boring things I've ever seen <laughs> out of these animated movies. Um, and like I wonder fact- if it doesn't benefit from streaming it. It's the gimmick on the Blu-ray is what sells it. Yeah, I guess. Uh, you got two choices: he either dies or he doesn't. So I guess there's no way for me to see what the he lives option was because hmm. the streaming, you know, he blows up. Um, but yeah, the, it's just 20 minutes of Bruce just spelling it all out for you. Like there's no mystery. There's no, like it's, it's almost like they know, you know, the story. So they're not even going to bother like making it compelling or interesting. Um, and then it has like just recycled stuff from the other movies with Red Hood. Right. Hmm. Um, and then after 20 minutes, it just goes into other DC properties like 
Sergeant Rock was the, was the second one, and it's actually something like it's a special feature from another release of something else. I forget which one. Maybe the Suicide Squad, Arkham, whatever it was. It was a bonus feature on another one of those discs, and so I was just like, okay, I'm out. And so interesting. I don't know what the other <laughs> rest of the streaming was. So, but yeah, I was really disappointed. I was like, it's such an like, even though I know it, it's still like an iconic moment in Batman lore, and to and have. Go ahead. Sorry, and it's four issues long. They could have made it an hour. Well, yeah, they 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 padded it by including the Red Hood story, like all the modern Jason Todd resurrected huh. stuff in it, and it's just like it's not interesting because it's literally just Bruce Wayne sitting in a diner. It's like he's reading the book to you. Like, interesting. You. I'm like, cool. You're just gonna tell me the story. All right. And then the Joker took a pipe and he beat my ward with it. The end. Yeah, it's just a bunch of flashback stuff of him just being, you know, telling Clark that he, like, this is his big failure as Batman, is letting Jason Todd become the Red Hood, you know? I want to watch Batman read bedtime stories now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, John DiMaggio's back as the Joker, and I don't know, I'm, I'm just so used to uh you know the mark hamill joker voice like even the uh alan tudyk joker voice like is sort of similar but john dimaggio's is more gruff and that's kind of weird but like i said it's so short that you're like okay i think he gets more room to stretch as joker in under the red hood yeah he has much more to do so like that's why i'm reading um the review while you're talking and on blu-ray.com there's seven different choices you can make damn um you can borrow the blu-ray i got it when it was seven dollars at best buy yeah so i'll i'll watch it and i'll let you know i'm surprised the streaming wasn't like okay so like one choice ends and then it just restarts and then it's mm. like it plays the you know alternate versions of what you just saw like just in linear order like like, I'm surprised that wasn't that. It was just like, okay, we're going to give you this one option, and then you can watch all these other anthology films. Yeah, so you're right, too. So I'm looking at the bonus material, and it's uh, Sergeant Rock was on Batman Hush. Hush, And okay, then you yeah. have Adam Strange, which is on Justice League Dark, The Phantom Stranger, which is on Superman Red Sun, and Death, which is on Wonder Woman Bloodlines. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. But even with, like... <laughs> No matter what option you choose, I guess it's all like it's only up to like thirty minutes of a of a movie. Like this storyline is way longer than thirty minutes. Like I, I feel like they should have just done an entire choose your own adventure, like just Death of the Family. You know? Can we find a way to discover if Zack Snyder had involvement in it and demand that there's a Snyder cut of it? <laughs> I know. Yeah. I mean, Blu-ray.com gave it a four point zero out of five. So. Wow, maybe, maybe just it's, the, it's not good to experience it streaming. <laughs> yeah, maybe yeah. it's just like the idea of it, like being like a choose your own adventure kind of a, a deal, is the appeal of it. Yeah, which I'm down for, but like even then, I'm I'm expecting more than 25 minutes of a movie. You know? Yeah, it just feels lazy. You know, Batman's just sitting there narrating the entire thing to you, like nonstop. 
um yeah so there's that was that uh other dc i uh watched rewatched green lantern for the first time since we reviewed it on the podcast (laughs) (laughs) um yeah that is uh i mean it's not it's it's not (laughs) like a it's it's not an entire dumpster fire but it's definitely like so mediocre compared to like what we're used to Mm -hmm. um Mm. and also carol ferris like really another carol in a comic book property that flies jets (laughs) like man comic creators back in that era just stole from each other left and right Mm -hmm. um but yeah it's just kind of bland you know like parallax is just a gross fart cloud uh uh, hector hammond um he's a creep on legs (laughs) like he's already got like enough of a story of where he's frustrated that his you know senator dad thinks he's a loser but then they like shoehorn this really quick like i've been in love with carol ferris this whole time and i'm jealous that uh hal jordan you know gets to be with her uh like that's his motivation by the end i'm like eh, I, I, the, the 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 senator dad thing was pretty strong i don't know why he like, lumped that on top of it um it like the movie doesn't start out with him frustrated about frustrated with carol at all um and he seems like a pretty good guy until the like whatever fear organism and affects him. Um, yeah, and then uh, mm. all the uh, like the green suit doesn't hold up well. Animated suit and mask. Hmm. Yeah, I haven't seen it in eight years, nine years. How long has it been? Uh, yeah, 2011 10, 10 so yeah. yeah 10 years it's like our well, third episode wow. if I want to watch Ted Tim Robbins as a senator I'll watch Bob Roberts again yeah but it's fun seeing like Taika Waititi in there as his like friend who is sort of inconsequential he's just there because whoever's writing is like well he needs a friend some kind we of need, best friend we need Alexander Knox type knockoffs here can you get me anybody Take a white TD? I've never heard of him. All right. <laughs> you need some comic relief in here somewhere. Yes, exactly. It's otherwise bland <laughs> movie. Um, yeah, and then actually I, I forgot like uh, Hal has this backstory where his dad you know, died in a quick like jet takeoff. Um, and then his brothers, I guess. Like this is early on in the movie. He goes to visit his brothers, and they're all frustrated that he too almost died in a like a test flight thing. And then uh, he has like a scene with his nephew, and then like those people never come back <laughs> in the movie. Yeah. Um. Oh yeah, b- uh, Back to the Future Three. Um, talked about a lot, but I this time I appreciated more is like, and I don't think it gets talked about a lot is how great Christopher Lloyd is at playing 1955 doc Brown versus 1985 doc Brown. Mm-hmm. Like it's amazing. Like how subtle his performance is that when he's back in 1955, <laughs> you, you feel like there's a certain distance of, for him. Like he still treats Marty like future boy. And then once you've crossed over into the wild west, like, 
you feel like they've had this, you know, long time relationship. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just yeah, impressive. Like just how subtle that is. Uh, I mean, realistically, part three is his movie. Yeah. It's uh, I mean, part three is his movie, but it's also like the, the Marty storyline. So they yeah. took the, the first movie and then just re-engineered it. So it's Doc Brown's story. It's, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's it's amazing how much those characters grow in like what's I guess a week, a week and a half's worth of. Yeah. Yeah. Well, time means nothing in there. So yeah, it's a week, <laughs> but it's been years. I was uh as I was watching, I was thinking like, what would happen if you know they went back through time more and more often, like they would age in that time, and once they, you know, let's say they did it so often that you know like, like we're talking like years worth of going back over and over and over again and then went back to their normal time like conceivably they could go back to 1985 after a while and just be so old <laughs> and no time has passed like does that make sense what i'm talking about yeah yeah i see what you're saying yeah like time has passed for them but not for the people that last saw them <laughs> yeah like, like their bodies are aging and even though they're going back to their own time, like relatively safely, like the people in 1985 would have to notice they're like, man, you're getting really old. Like um, that, that, that could, physically. I mean, that would be an interesting way to actually get them back in a movie, but I don't think that's ever going to happen. Yeah. But, but that'd be, that'd be a good hook. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I never, I never really thought about like, there's the actual physical toll that that would reveal. Right. Mm-hmm. They kind of deal with that in the Futurama finale um, with them traveling to the like absolute end of time. But um, yeah. Um, what are we seeing next week? I'm going to say the little things. Uh, I was hoping you say Psycho Gorman. Are we going to do Psycho Gorman? I mean, that one's a little harder for everybody to see, I think. Well, it is streaming, so should be okay. I mean, you have to pay for it, but you also have to pay to go see movies in the theater. Yeah. So I'm just saying like, I, I really enjoyed it. So like, I don't want to like blow everything right now talking about it. If we're going to just go see it in the future as an episode. Okay. We can do that. Or you can talk about it either or. Maybe you can just say whether you liked it or not. I, I, I really liked it. I don't want to like okay. spoil it. I mean, it's yeah. not like it's a spoiler movie. It's just, I'll just say that it's like if Jean Claude Van Damme's Dan Van and Adam the Amazing Zombie Killer had a, like a child, then this is it. Yeah. Uh, um, I did not. Down. I did not realize going in that it was from the makers of Father's Day and like Manborg. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty gross but fun. And from the director of Leprechaun Returns. Leprechaun or re- or, or yeah, returns. I think it is. Yeah. Uh, so I'll just we'll talk about it on the episode. Um, and then I saved this last thing because I think maybe some other people watched it. Wandavision. Yeah. Segue into. Oh yeah, nice. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as a Dick Van Dyke show fan, I love the first episode. <laughs> yeah, it's great. She even has uh, a line. 
where she says, well, if you don't know, I'm not going to tell you. Yep. And that brought a lot of joy to my heart. And he fixes his tie like uh, Van Dyke did. Yeah, like the the set design is, you know, it, it's different, but it's so much the shape of the, that that set. Well, what great. I was telling you, I think it's reversed, like purposely opposite, because in the Brady Bunch episode, the stairs are on the opposite side as well of where it is on the TV show. So in the TV show, I don't know if anybody remembers, you'd see the staircase on the left. In WandaVision, it's on the right. So I think yeah. it might be on purpose. Now the David Ike show one though, like the the living room is like the the walkway, like the furniture is different models of things. Like there's a couch instead of a stove, like in that one corner. But you know the front door is still on the left, and then the yeah, path to Richie's room is still back there. In the kitchen though, it's flipped. The kitchen, um, the the island the, is still in the, is like. Yeah, but everything it else includes different things. Like, yeah, it's not a it's not a perfect square, but like the the refrigerator is still in the back left, and then, yeah, there's like a whole separate, like cabinetry thing going on on the right with a window. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's still the sink next to the the fold out window, and then it's funny. There's there's an empty space uh, close. Like with the the space with the calendar, I think it's supposed to have something there, but it's funny that the picture of the calendar is just the room across from the wall. Yeah, like it, almost if if it was a window through it. Um, yeah, but yeah, like the 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 backyard door and the garage are in the same places. So yeah, it's just uh, yeah impressive. Um. But yeah, that that it's that weird David Lynchian part of the show that's like, I just want to know what's happening next. Yeah, like, what, what does this all mean? You watched the uh, most recent episode. Yeah, I watched them all. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah, I think uh, they're purposely doing a kind of a slow burn because uh, every episode has a little more. You know, the first one with his boss choking like Mister Weed <laughs> doesn't really matter. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the second one with the talent show and all the sword uh, clues throughout and the color, uh, I mean, it, it pretty much is happening what I, how I think it's happening with she's created a fictional world because of the trauma that she endured during uh, Infinity War and Endgame. And it's just showing how powerful of a superhuman she is yes it's, it's interesting though because like i didn't feel after and like she's the last thing we see of her is she's talking to hawkeye and she doesn't seem that like she's sad but she doesn't seem like psychologically broken so yeah. it, it feels maybe weird because to, like, it's still sinking in at that point yeah i mean she yeah, she just came back but still it didn't seem like yeah i think she also pe- has that you know moment with thanos where she says you took everything from me yeah, but that just seems like a heroic moment. But sometimes it takes a little bit when you endure trauma for it to kick in. See, that's what I want to see is like what led to this moment, you know, which I, I'm guessing they'll probably lead up to. But yeah, I'm just I'm just so curious right now, like where, you know, why are we going through this roundabout way of things, you know? Yeah. 
is it just to pad episodes so that they could sell Disney Plus, or is it like do these? No, I think they're telling a story. I mean, obviously, it's I, again. I think it's a reality that she's creating, and every time it breaks, it advances the decade she's in because she thinks she can go back to a time when it won't matter where it's the sixties or the seventies. And then it keeps on getting broken. It's also weird that she is manufacturing those like 50 year old realities when she's probably as a character, like what late twenties. Yeah. Hey, we like that stuff in our early late twenties. I guess. Yeah. It's what, you know, um, I'm just wondering, like, in the midst of being growing up, being, being tested on by Hydra, you know, when does she have time to like absorb Nick at night? Hmm. <laughs> Maybe well, in her downtime. She, if she lived in another, like, she's supposed to be from Sokovia, and so maybe like they're like the American shows got syndicated over there way after they were done with their run here. You know, like maybe it was like a ten or twenty year delay. And so that's why she knows like all these shows from like the fifties and sixties or sixties and seventies. Or I don't think that much into it. I think it's just her reality that she's making based on stuff. She remembers. Yeah. Who, who knows? Maybe she just happened to be next to like a TV antenna or something. And then that just kind of like influenced how her reality was warped. And so am I correct? Uh, the girl that fell out of the sky, I guess. Um, that's monica rambo yeah from uh captain marvel yes but like what is that like there's obviously a fenced off area that's got some kind of again i think it's the i think it's a world she's created that sword is trying to get her out of because she's created this world with westview westview seems like it's a real place like there is this real town westview that she's in and like maybe what happened is, I don't know why she's there, but she's just there and like she's altered reality because like some of the people are real. Like Catherine Hahn's character seems to be real, and that's why they were pointing out like <laughs> I don't know about I don't, her character. I don't, I don't know. Like it just makes sense that like this is a town and like the people in it are like kind of under not like mind control, but they're just being influenced by the reality that she's created. I mean, it's easier to make something from nothing than to make something from nothing. I mean, <laughs> like it's easier think... to just alter something that's already there than to create something completely new. I, I actually think it's they're all sword agents and they're trying to help her not have a complete breakdown because of how powerful she is. So they're going along with her uh, world and there's someone else who is trying to infiltrate that world. Who's not a good person. So this is Monica Rambo 20 years later and she's walking to this town and then. Uh, no, Monica Rambo's sent there to help her. Right. But she's, she's physically walking into this town. Yeah. And then uh, Wanda is ejecting her out of it. Like, because mm-hmm. she, told her about the reality that she knew about her brother she knows what happened to her and so she doesn't want her to be there anymore okay. right. she wants to stay in the illusion she's still in denial about what happened and she doesn't want somebody to pull her out of it 
and there's this illusion force field surrounding this town, so you could just walk in. And anyone could walk in at any time and be a part of this reality. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, that would make sense to me. Yeah, and they're going to have to go along with what she's doing, or she throws them out. How do they, like, I, just, I don't know how they know what to expect. Like, Because she's broadcasting it. Like, you see there at the very end of the first or second episode, like, there's a sword agent there, like, taking notes or something. So they have, like, a TV. So they have antennas that can process. Yeah, you're thinking way too hard about it. <laughs> it's, it's a show about a witch and a robot who yeah. may or may not be alive anymore. But and I'm sure they'll answer all your questions for you, Brad. <laughs> I, I, I know. I just figured maybe one of you had some answers so I could speed ahead of it. I did. Uh, I told I'm... you. I think it's a world she's making. You don't know shit. You're just guessing. <laughs> uh, she can alter reality. She did it once in the house of M and she got rid of mutants. So yeah, I remember that. Yep. Uh, yeah. Well, that's all I watched then. Corinne. Okay. Three things. So I watched a new anime called the disastrous life of psyche K and it's pretty good. It's about this boy in high school who has psychic powers uh, like he has telepathy, telekinesis, he can teleport, like just it, it, basically anything you can imagine. And it's just like a lot of like wacky hijinks with his friends. And it's pretty, it's pretty good. Um, it's, it's definitely more of like a comedy than it is like a fighting show. So it's pretty easy to get into. And they're actually like kind of like chapters within an episode. So you get to go through like, three or four different little stories or adventures just within one episode. And sometimes they're standalone, but sometimes they're connected. And so I finished the first season. It was only 24 episodes and I started the second season, but it's um, the second season's only in the Japanese dub with, or the Japanese audio with the English subtitles. And like, not like that's bad, but I just feel like for comedy shows, it's not as, good because like you know sometimes it's like you're reading and it's like instead of hearing a joke you're just reading a joke and it doesn't really it, I don't know like any anytime I've watched like more of a comedy anime it just makes more sense when I watch it in English like it's way funnier that way so I don't know if I'll keep watching it but season one's pretty good so I'll recommend everybody check that out it's on Netflix I also uh, watched the latest episode of Hanyo no Yashahime, which is the Inuyasha sequel. We got the backstory for one of the main characters that we've been wanting for a long time. And it was pretty good. My only qualm with it was that there's definitely a lot of story material there, and they could have easily made it a two-parter, because they felt like they just really rushed through it, and like some of the story beats felt a little off. It's like, oh, all of a sudden this person's dead. And it's like, wait, we just got introduced to this person like 15 minutes ago. Why do I care that they're dead? So it would have been nice if we'd have gotten a little bit of like given that story a little bit more room to breathe. So, but they're moving at a breakneck speed now. And uh, so then the last thing I'll talk about is our favorite thing for me to talk about on the show, the blacklist. Yes. Winter, 
spring premiere, whatever. Um, the it, the who the who cares? The show's back on premiere. Exactly. Um, so Ryan has already checked out premiere. No, don't worry. I'll stick around and make coy commentary. <laughs> oh, fun! Because this episode was like just complete and utter nonsense i don't even know what's happening as opposed to how many seasons that you've described the same way <laughs> so we i, I went so, on a twitter doom scroll of people's reactions to this i haven't seen this episode but yeah i i've never seen so many people confirm our uh lack of appreciation for this series now it's it's pretty oh, impressive i really i just hope that like it falls out of favor and like this show just ends like it just needs to end already please nbc universal whoever is in charge cancel the show <laughs> i need my life back uh, i can't can't do it corinne too many too many older people really enjoy watching um uh, that 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 their guy from age of ultron uh being a weirdo and uh and all the convoluted things that it's very popular with older people Right, because older people would know that he's an age of Ultron. Yeah, that's exactly where they know them from. I don't know. I just got this job yesterday. (laughs) Is George Lucas slash James Stewart a TV exec now? I guess so. If it's a combo of the two, it's it's a weird guy named George Stewart and (laughs) president of NBC. (laughs) So this episode picks up right after Red killed Liz's mom. And uh, of course, wait, 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 wait. but would that be his wife? What's going on here? What? No, Isn't no that supposed no. to be the chief, the, the, no. their, their father, daughter, whatever. No, they are definitely not father, daughter. Oh, Ugh, right. Gross. <laughs> um, no, he just stole her dad's identity. He's not actually her dad, Zach. Thank you very much. So yeah, we pick up where uh, Red killed Liz's mom. And of course, Liz wants revenge because you know, even though she has a daughter and a full time job, like for some reason she doesn't have a life. So <laughs> she's like, I'm gonna go and kill Red. So she puts some C4 in her car door, and she basically like uses emotional leverage to be like, well, you have to ride with me to this like funeral for my grandpa. So he's like about to get in the passenger side door and set off the bomb. And instead he just coughs up blood onto her window. (laughs) And I was like, what is happening? So then they have to rush him to the hospital. And of course she still wants to kill him. So she gets some person who I barely remember was even, I was like, who is this lady? I don't even remember. Um, she gets some woman to place the C4 on Red's hospital bed and just about <laughs> blows up like the entire like wing of this hospital. <laughs> it's like, I, I, I just, I don't did this. Okay. So Brad knows like Liz got, had like serious brain damage in season five. Like she was in a coma for 10 months and I'm really starting to wonder. <laughs> Ryan left. <laughs> <laughs> he sent me a message it just says fuck and he that's a gift of peter griffin hanging himself <laughs> okay well i'll well, be I, merciful I, and i'll end this soon okay, wait, wait, so- wait 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 like like this is how dumb liz is like red is obviously terminal and she can't yes. wait for him to die. 
Like she just let him die on his own, but she has to blow up a hospital and take others with him. And I don't understand. Like it was enough seafloor that it went through the first wall, hit the hospital bed, went through part of a second wall. Like people are just like, I, I, I'm surprised nobody died. It's only because movie, movie magic or film magic, TV magic, whatever, Liz that nobody now- happened to die. Like wrestler just gets like a sexy scrape on his arm or something and that's it so uh, stupid what it, what her russian name like she's basically masha now like the russian terrorist oh yeah she's totally a terrorist she almost killed like like 15 people including her co-workers who yeah. were on her side just trying to save both of their lives it, anyway it's does harold yeah, like reprimand her or well, she, oh no, she she left the team by that point. She turned in her badge, so she's like a full blown criminal again. Which I'm like, oh, so we're going back to the season three storyline. There's nothing new under the sun. They ran out of ideas for the show back in like season four, and they just need to just please NBC, please cancel the blacklist so that Ryan will no longer attempt to kill himself, and I can stop talking about this show. I feel like you you guys describing the blacklist all this time feels like the the failed pitches for like nineteen. <laughs> McBain movies in the Simpsons universe that just never worked out. Like, and then this terrorist plot happens, and then there's C four in a building, and then all of a sudden she's a Russian spy. And I'm just like, I don't understand this show. I give, I'm did, giving up. Did, <laughs> I don't understand like why she had that much C four because she just wanted him to get in the car door initially, right? So I'm like, but she was on the other side of the car. It was enough C four that it would have blown up the entire car and probably like either killed or seriously injured her too so i'm like okay what was your plan murder suicide i just <sighs> she's not on the team anymore where'd she get c4 <laughs> oh she's she basically stole it from the fbi she stole it from jk simmons and the lady killers <laughs> uh by the way what number was katarina katarina rostova on the blacklist I don't remember like four or something. I'd have to look it up again. Because what am number pro- am I on the blacklist? <laughs> You're number one, Zach. You're, shut up! Stop interrupting me. <laughs> That's your number. Uh, I am psyched. It seems like they are setting up that Red is number one and Liz is number oh, yeah. two. Oh yeah. So well, actually, Liz is supposed to be the uh, blacklister in this next episode. The episode we're supposed to get next week. Right on. So, crap. It's not telling me. I can't find it for a quick Google search. Anyway, I'll figure it out later. So, that's all I've been watching, Zach. <laughs> Please take over so Ryan doesn't kill himself. Oh, hey, he Ryan, did. Ryan, can, are you breathing? Are you okay? Oh, wow. Just like, luckily I didn't cinch the noose too tight and I came back. Okay, well, Ryan. My, so my you, wife what, just walked in and she's like... Autoerotic asphyxiation? No, like, no. Ryan went out because that means I'm being turned on by what you're saying. <laughs> no, you're, no, Ryan, you're, you're turned on by almost hanging yourself. Yeah, yeah, Ryan, you're you're aroused by the fact that you'll be relieved of this pain. <laughs> he, yeah, he, I might he, do it now. Jeez, Ryan was about to cross over, and then his son walked in the room, and he looked into his little boy's eyes, and he's like, "No, I got to keep going." Yeah, remember you need that Halloween sequel, Ryan. Well, yes. I'll, I'll tell you a funny story. No. I told Kellen today when I picked him up from school, 
that I was doing this podcast later, and he he said, "Is Corinne going to talk about the blacklist?" And I said, "I don't think so." And here we are. It's all it's all Kellen's fault. He jinxed it. <laughs> well, I right, mean, no. if you were following me on Twitter Friday night, that should not have been a surprise. No, I you I, you, I, you uh, sent me a video link, and I was still at work, Corinne. And I, I didn't do see uh, it. sometimes follow you on Twitter, Corinne, but you also spoil a lot of stuff. <laughs> So I don't follow you on Twitter. Okay. <laughs> I got to make sure if it's something I want to watch or something like that, that I don't go on Twitter because I know you spoil it. She, 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 what she, is there for me to spoil except for maybe WandaVision? Yeah, that's what I mean. Exactly. Okay. I'll just make sure I don't spoil WandaVision then. Were you Thanks. Send, were you sending me live videos of yes. you watching the blacklist while I was yes. trying to watch Psycho Gorman? <laughs> I I don't I didn't know you were doing that, but I just sent you an invitation. You can decline. I don't know how that part of Twitter works. So I tried to I I tried to pull it up, but by that time it was too late. It was already gone. Yeah, I don't know what the hell happened. I figured you could just watch it later, but for some yeah. reason that didn't work. It's, it's, it's okay. Twitter. You didn't miss anything. Just me having a seizure. <laughs> I felt like that scene in Emma where she where her nose starts bleeding <laughs> because she's just like <laughs> like Emma's brain just shuts down. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much what happened. Yeah. Zach, what'd you watch this week? Okay, I'm gonna calm you down, Ryan. I'm gonna calm you down. We're gonna talk about do you wanna talk about the haunting by Robert Wise? How about that? You like that movie? Sure. The haunting? Sure. Okay, cool. I rewatched this. Ha- uh, yeah. You, you, oh, oh, oh. Well, you kind of broke my heart there. Yeah, I rewatched The Haunting. I hadn't watched it in a while, but I did it for a Ballyhoo, and I really liked that movie. I ended up watching it twice in the weekend. Um, yeah, it, it's a, the movie's fantastic. Um, it's not, it's not it, it, I considering what you have to work with in 1963 and approaching it from the Val Luton perspective of show very little in order to inspire terror in the audience's mind. I think it works beautifully. Um, the, uh, the, the one thing in the film that I was, uh, kind of marveling at and I hadn't really like wrestled with it before is Russ Tamblin in the movie who plays the skeptic. Um, <clears throat> when I was going in for the first rewatch, I was like, oh, he's just the non-believer. He's not going to believe in the ghosts. And then he'll, you know, like it, it, he'll, he'll go through his journey again, but realizing at this time around, he has a full on arc, uh, going from like non-believer, like swinging cat of the sixties, getting drunk in a haunted house. And then all of a sudden by the like spoilers for anybody who's never seen the haunting by the very end, he's just like, we need to burn this motherfucking house to the ground. <laughs> and I'm like, this is this is a wonderful arc for like the sidest of side characters. Um, Does anyone's a, head get knocked off in the fireplace? No, but uh, me and my guest Kev Moore talked about that um, that moment, and I told him your pitch for having him go wow as the head goes <laughs> by, and he's down for it. So I think we need to make this happen, Brad. Nice. Um, but yeah, no, we were actually kind of lamenting that remake and talking like we talked for like two minutes about how that's. It's it's uh it's a remake that happened, um, but uh, it went through kind of a development hell. Um, <clears throat> but so that's a fun movie. Um, I uh, uh, I rewatched My Man Godfrey uh, for another recording. Um, that movie's still wonderful, very very prescient to today. Um, the, the the wonderful like wonderful uh, execution of direction from Gregor Gregory Lacava, um, and I. I appreciate Carol Lombard in that movie, obviously, but I really focused on her this entire rewatch. Like 
Powell's great, but like Lombard's kind of pulling off a weird miracle in that movie of like playing a ditzy socialite, clueless socialite who has like such a big heart on her chest that it's just impossible to like look at her the same way you do the rest of the family that she's stuck with. Um, and also her, the, the redemption of her sister in that movie is, is remarkable to watch too. Cause it's almost impossible given the way the character's written, but it's still beautifully uh, directed movie about the forgotten man and uh, depression era America. Um, I, uh, I've started doing some research for my lecture for a convention uh, for Jack Benny fans. And so I rewatched the Hollywood review of 1929, which if you've never watched this movie before, you don't really need to. Um, I like it because Jack's in it, but it's not, that's not saying much. Um, It's very much a review of its era. It's basically like a Broadway show of that era, you'd have an MC come out, introduce several acts, and then you watch musical numbers or stage comedy acts. And the benefit of the movie is watching certain acts that don't really get a film career after this. Um, and watching basically Jack do his vaudeville routine early on um, before he really moves into radio. Um, the, the Warner archive, we were talking earlier, Ryan, about Warner archive DVD transfers. Uh-huh. This one doesn't look too bad. Um, and it actually has one of the key things about this is this is one of the first cinematic interpretations of the song singing in the rain, which is comprised of a color sequence um, amidst a primarily black and white two hour movie. Um, so that is a reason to watch it. If you want to watch very early Technicolor um, work, it's magic in there. Um, this is a movie that feasibly was supposed to kick off Jack as a movie star, but Thalberg and the other people at MGM didn't know what to do with him and MGM wouldn't loan him out to any other studio. So he was kind of stuck. And so that's why when he moves to radio and then teams up with other studios, they don't, they, they, nobody else really knows where to put him because his persona and his popularity keep changing. But if you want to mm-hmm. watch that movie for like context of like where Hollywood was transitioning into the sound era, it is a good example of this is what three years of Hollywood's going to look like where it's nothing but these musical reviews, excuses to have people talk on film um, between that and gangster films. Those end up becoming this big draw up until about 1933, 1934. So, uh, so it's a good museum piece in that respect. And it has moments that are fun for me, but nothing that I can recommend to a mass audience. Um, uh, I rewatched the leopard man uh, by Val Luton. Um, a story about uh, a a man who brings a leopard to a uh, castanet uh, artist at a uh, at a club, and the leopard runs away, kills somebody, and now everybody th- believes that a leopard is stalking this village and killing people at random. But is it a leopard? I don't know. You'll have to tune in for the leopard man, which Delicious. is wonderful. Yeah, have you ever seen it, Ryan? Uh, maybe it's one of those films that I think I watched on, uh, TCM late at night when I was younger, Mm -hmm. but I don't recall it, but I recall the story. So I don't know if I've seen it or I've read about it. It's, um, if you've read about it, it wouldn't be surprising because it's, it is, it is a Val Luton movie that I think gets more influence out of its belt than even so many others, because there's one of the famous scenes of it is the leopard's first kill 
quote unquote, where um, the leopard, uh, a woman is running at the door with the leopard chasing behind her. And uh, all you see is the in- from the inside of the house as she's banging on the door, you hear a huge struggle outside and then you see blood dripping from underneath the door as it as the kill is over um which is a kill that or a piece of horror that ends up getting translated into something like the horror where stuff's banging outside the door but you don't see what's outside the door it's everything is about what's going on in your mind um and val luton was a genius at put making film on horror films on a budget where it was more about psychological terror and less about looking at a frankenstein monster or a wolfman um merit in both but luton obviously had to work with what he could given that rko was giving him very little money to do his movies um uh so yeah it was a fun rewatch uh it's only about an hour and six minutes so if you ever want to sit down and watch it it's not going to take up much of your time uh and then the last thing i watched was i kept up with some more mandalorian guys more mando um which ones uh five and six um i'm I'm plugging away slowly because the research has been taking up my time um but episode five i really liked it i don't like the guy who tries to think that he can uh just pay mando for his services to help him get into the guild um he's like the it's uh i i called him like douchey mcdouche nozzle or something like that so i loved it when mando blasted him away because i'm like you can't just you know uh you, you can't just double cross the Mandalorian like that. That's ridiculous. I'm already falling in love with this character and it's only been five episodes. Um, and, uh, uh, but I did like that. They, it's very, it, the gunslinger episode is very much just like, it is very much like a, a, a solid, simple Western plot. And I appreciated the way it executed itself. Um, and then the prisoner, which, um, what, why is the internet angry that Bill Burr was in Star Wars? I don't understand this. Because he's got a Boston accent. Who the fuck cares? It's a fun space character mercenary thingy, and I don't care. He's fun in it. He belongs in that universe. Uh, my interest point was more in the fact that Clancy Brown plays like a huge devil creature. Uh, that was fun. Uh, and also just watching them do a prison breakout thing. That was, that was pretty fun. Um, it's, yeah, it's, I like it's presented kind of like a slasher film too. Yeah, that 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 intrigued me a bunch. I'm like, this is interesting that they're getting away with this. It it's not that like Mandalorian hasn't gone into extreme violent territory, but it, like it it is like it takes you back in places. Um, it's funny that's a, a coincidence. He's uh, the voice of Parallax in Green Lantern. <laughs> huh. It's weird that lined up. Really, who on our Cla- show? Who Clancy Brown? Yeah. Really? Oh, good for, for sure. him. Clancy Brown's having a good 2021 so far. You should get, you should just give him anything to do. Um, but yeah, no. So yeah, I I'm loving the show. I'm, I'm appreciating the hell out of it. Um, I get it. I'm behind, but more than happy to be on the journey now. Um, so I'll keep plugging away at it and report back with more Mandalorian watch. And honestly, given all the, love and praise for WandaVision and the it's homage to early television. I really need to sit down and watch it before I let it get too far behind. Uh, that right. Uh, sorry. I just realized uh, or rem- remembered Tamara Morrison um, is Abin Sur in Green Lantern. <laughs> so weird, weird Mando crossover right now. Yeah. 
There's a lot of people in Green Lantern that you don't remember. I forgot Mark Strong was in that movie. And Taika Waititi is also in The Mandalorian, although not in the episodes that Zach watched. Yeah. Yeah. Not yet. I'm not, I haven't gotten to that point. Green Lantern, a launching point yeah, for he careers. Did. He's in the first episode. He's uh, IG-11. He's IG-11? Taika's IG-11? Yep. yep. Wow. He was my favorite part of the episode until he tried to kill that baby. And I said, fuck no, robot, get out of the way. You don't get to kill that baby. Um, but I liked seeing an IG unit just lay waste, too. <laughs> that, that shit was insane. Did you ever think when you watched an IG unit in, in Empire Strikes Back just standing there in front of Darth Vader that one day he would be able to pull that shit off? Like, I don't think I would have conceived of that. Uh, if he played Star Wars Shows the Empire for N64... You, you knew how that worked. Mm. <laughs> it, it, nice it's, call back. It's one of the most terrifying like video game fights I've ever been a part of. I'm trying to remember if I played Zach, of the Empire. No, you gotta I guess watch not. the next two episodes as soon as you can. I would like to see the episodes. Yeah, I feel like IG, uh, IG-11 now, Like, the, I think it's the penultimate episode. It's Yeah, I'm like, that, that character's awesome. Okay. Sweet. Well, then um, I'll keep plugging away and report back to all you Mando heads out there. Uh, so, yeah, that's all I've been watching this week. Uh, yeah, I've been um, watching a lot of Futurama. The, that's right. You going, I, I, uh, my uh, boss gave us a $100 bonus for Christmas, and he said, you know, you can give this away to – a person in need. And I decided to buy the future Rama complete series. Um, and, uh, I was alluding to your friend, Zach, who would like a hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, fuck that. And, uh, and future Rama is so brilliant. And I, I forgot how much I love um, Bender and Fry. Uh, Are you going just, back in order? Oh yeah. I've, I'm on the second season now or volume. I guess they call them on the series sets. Yeah, it's kind of um, convoluted. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, but so yeah, I, I started at the beginning, and uh, I have one disc left on volume two, so it's uh, really fun, you know, and just reliving like minor characters like Calculon, and <laughs> I love it. Um, have you you already got past the Valentine's Day episode then? Yeah, um, I, I my favorite Futurama moment, hands down, is Zoidberg goes like, "Oh, I, 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 I would give anything to have what you guys have. If I, if only I wasn't so desperately poor." And Bender goes, "People would pay good money for romance. Hmm. I think I have a scheme so deviously clever that I bang five hundred dollars in time served. Stupid anti pimping laws. Well, pay the man." <laughs> the I mean, my my favorite like throwaway line in anything uh, might be. From Futurama, I haven't got to the episode yet, but it's where they're fishing off Planet Express, mm-hmm. and um, Hermes yells, "My man, witch!" <laughs> it's like so stupid, but so whatever awesome. it is, it's ten times heavier than a boot. <laughs> it's twenty pairs of boots. <laughs> yeah. um, great stuff. Uh, I I didn't know that Warner Archive released Leatherface on Blu-ray, so I oh, picked yeah. that up um, and saw his family um, it's i don't know when uh i guess it'd be the second chainsaw massacre where they decided to go super campy with chainsaw movies but um yeah. this one also is kind of campy uh it does have a really good performance by Viggo Mortensen in it a really early performance by him 
Um, That's the one that got, well, one of the first of many that got really, really chopped up. Um, yeah, the there's, uh, it must've come out on DVD too. I don't know. I don't, I remember seeing it on HBO or something years ago, but uh, there's a making of included on the Blu-ray that's from the DVD because they talk about it being like 13 years since it was released and the Blu-ray was released in 2018. Um, but anyways, the, the making of is really great and the commentary is really great. And they talk about how they wanted certain people to make it. And then the guy they hired, they fired him like three weeks into the shoot. <coughs> and then they realized they had to bring him back because no one else could do what he did. Uh, it's a really great making of documentary. Um, the movie is okay. There's some pretty great gory scenes when, <coughs> sorry, when Leatherface saws this lady in half against a tree. It's pretty great. Um, Classic leather. Yeah, classic leather face. <laughs> so yeah, overall it's like a nice distraction, I guess. I <laughs> don't know how else to word it. Um, it it's, it's, it's <laughs> I, that's the last one of them I've really seen because I, I still have never seen Next Generation with um that one's horrible. This yeah, and that's like Kim Henkel coming back to everything, and it seems like it's a I, shame. I keep on that hoping that out. this Screen Factory one will drop below thirty dollars because I'm not going to spend. Thirty dollars on it. Um, eh, maybe I'll get it. But maybe I'll get some two copies and just give it to you and be like, just look, just finish the finish this. It's, it's like the it's like your Cary Grant thing. I'm just like finish this, <laughs> right? Um, we talked about I don't know. So a few weeks ago, uh, Savage Streets was coming out on Blu-ray, uh, but it also was streaming on Amazon Prime for free. So I decided to stream it and. Savage Street is directed by Friday 13th alumni Danny Steinman, which he actually made this before he made part five. And in it, Linda Blair is the head of the Satins, which is this girl gang in uh, high school. And all these women and men that are supposed to be in high school are definitely in their mid 20s. But um, her, her sister is uh, deaf and mute, played by Linnea Quigley. And, oh, like Lynette. Uh, yeah, but there's a, there's a party, so she's deaf and mute, and uh, this one of the bad guys. What's the name of the bad guys? The Razors. The fuck, I can't remember the bad guy gang. But the leader of the bad guy gang is the dude who chops up the kid in part five, where he's like, "Well, then forget it, Vic." Oh god, that that jerk! Oh yeah, so he's he's the bad guy in this too. To to be fair, did we care what happened to either of them in part five? (laughs) (laughs) No, Uh, but I mean, it starts off as kind of like a fun, dirty mouth teenage movie from the eighties. The soundtrack is really synth heavy, and it's not boringly directed like part five is. it has lots of neons and like 80 style clothes and things like that. And there's, uh, so the first like maybe 50 minutes, maybe an hour of the movie (laughs) is just these kids at odds with each other. But then they, uh, the satins, fuck, what do they do? Uh, they get in a fight with the bad guys at this, bar that all the kids go to that can drink i don't know and um while they're there one of the 
sat in, well, no, maybe I remember it wrong. Anyways, at one point, Linda Blair's deaf mute sister gets raped by the bad guys. And then they're at a, the bar and one of the satins cuts the bad guy's face, which he finds her and throws her off a bridge and kills her. And when Linda Blair finds this out, that they both, the, both these heinous acts are committed by these guys, she starts killing them all. <laughs> and that is the premise of Savage Streets. I kind of want to watch this now, Ryan. <laughs> you should watch it because it's zany and 80s and not that bad. Okay. And uh, I never thought I would see Linda Blair naked, but that's in this movie, too. And, well, now that's, yeah. that's an interesting selling point. <laughs> yeah, well, and it's weird. It's one of the, the 80s style gratuitous nudity where she finds out that her friend's dead and her sister uh, was raped by the same gang. And so it's her sitting in a tub smoking a cigarette for like a minute with no dialogue. I guess it's her contemplating what she's going to do. So it's really unnecessary, but falls in line with 1980s gratuitous nudity. <laughs> okay, fair <laughs> That's enough. That's all I can say. Uh, so yeah, that movie was okay. It was fun. Like, there's definitely worse things. Uh, I watched a documentary on Netflix called uh, The Night Stalker, Daisy. where they're hunting uh, the serial killer in California called The Night Stalker. And it's kind of a terrifying real story about a serial killer in California. I don't know if you guys know the story, but uh, there is no, uh, so it's horrible. Um, basically there's these murders that were taking place in California where the killer would come in through an open window or an unlocked door and he would just murder people. And Ugh. if it was a husband and a wife, a lot of times he would, kill the husband with either a gun or a knife or one time he beat an 80 year old lady to death with a hammer and then he would sexually assault the women and he would also drive around the LA area and pick up children and sexually assault them and then let them go Um, yeah he's a horrible person and this documentary charts the cops as they're trying to figure out who he is and how no one believed this new guy on homicide saying that it's the same guy because no one had ever done that before where you're a serial killer, um, a sexual assaulter. And he's like a new type of bad guy. And I think at the end of the day or the end of the day or at the end of his reign of Terry, he killed something like 14 confirmed people, um, sexually assaulted 30 something. um, And when he was in prison, they found DNA that he also raped and killed a kid, like a nine-year-old girl in a hotel. Um, just not a good person. And uh, it's really fascinating watching the cops go through this and how they uh, were at odds with the news media because the news media would leak things that only they knew and they didn't want them because they didn't want the killer to change his habits because they're trying to figure out who he is. And um, it's a really it's a tough watch, but it's presented in a really like cool way. Uh, it's a really well-made documentary. Uh, if you want to like see a horrible person in the dreads of society, then you can watch the night stalker. I think um, I'm, I think I'm good on that for a long while, <laughs> Ryan, but thank you yeah. for, yeah. for putting down something for future reference. Eventually. Yeah. If you want to watch someone just be a horrible 
human being and not deserve to live anymore. So like night stalker. Were you just like sad you weren't working that day and you just needed to connect with being a cop again? <laughs> no, I didn't. Uh, <laughs> well, here's the thing is I didn't know it was a, like a police procedural uh, documentary. Um, Cause I, I mean, I knew of the night stalker. I didn't know how heinous his crimes actually were. Um, but I mean, I knew of uh, Richard Ramirez because he's a notorious serial killer. But um, his crimes were pretty horrific. The cool part is, is, is cops in the 80s, and they're trying to figure out who the Night Stalker was. So this cop in San Francisco got this tip that there's this guy who knew Ricky, and they knew Ricky was could possibly be the Night Stalker. So he put him in the back of his car and punched him in the face until he told him his full name. <laughs> oh. Cops have definitely changed since then. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting story. Uh, if, if you want to be depressed and terrified at the same time about how despicable a person is, and uh, I recommend it. Uh, and, and the last thing I watched was Night of the, the Leapus, which is a killer bunny movie that has Janet Lee and yes, Rory yes. Calhoun in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah, it's about, these rabbits that are overtaking Rory Calhoun's farm and he, they're a menace. So he doesn't want to kill them. So Janet Lee and her husband are scientists and they inject this one rabbit with an experimental genetic thing. And their daughter lets the rabbit go in turn. It turns it into like a hundred pound rabbit that eats people. And it's ridiculous. There's these body parts all over the road when the rabbits eat people. Um, <laughs> It's not a good movie, but it's one of those movies that's so stupid and out there that you go, okay, I can watch this movie and be entertained. Cheesy um, in a good, cheesy in a good way. Yeah, it, it was a nice, it was a nice change of pace from the Night Stalker. Um, oh, oh, I think, I think any, I think Manos, the Hands of Fate would be yeah. the, the relief from the Night Stalker. Well, they had like these uh, up close shots of rabbits, and they put I don't know like caro syrup or some other red thing on their mouths and then it would just zoom in on their face and it'd go and you just see their teeth going and and they're supposed to be eating people but this, this sounds like a frog situation it totally is timothy had teeth like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's it's yeah it's silly and, and the dead people and body parts that are all chopped up and hacked up look really fake so it's it's one of those things where you can't believe this movie got made and that there's actual real stars in the movie. What but, year did it, what year did it come out, Ryan? Uh, 72, I think that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Janet yeah. Lee was not doing anything at this point. <laughs> no. yeah, the Blu-ray from screen factory is pretty fun too. It has some interviews. Um, I didn't listen to the commentary yet. Cause I just watched it last night, but um, I will. And uh, yeah. If you if you want to spend twelve dollars on a killer rabbit movie, Night of the Lepus is for you. It's what I've been podcasting on this show for five years, waiting for this yes. moment. Yes. <laughs> it's it's here for you to take. Oh God, this is my retirement episode now, guys. I'm just gonna go watch Night of the Lepus for the rest of my life. <laughs> Do it. This week on Real Nerds Podcast, we saw One Night in Miami. Corinne, did you check out One Night in Miami? And did. And she muted, so I guess she's not going to tell us how it is. Um, Zach, should people <laughs> see night, One Night in Miami? 
I think uh, I think that's a silly question because you should, of course, see this movie. Um, I thought I was blown back by how Regina King was able to take four larger than life figures um, within the scope of this play that it's based on, and basically give them all an equal footing and tell this larger or overarching story of the the legacy of these four different people in a relevant manner. Um, I learned a lot about, or at least tangential knowledge to again, go on forward about like people like Sam cook. Uh, and I got more clarification on folks like Jim Brown. And it was very, it was very refreshing to see a different take on Malcolm X and um, Muhammad Ali um, and uh, how they are portrayed in this movie. But we'll talk about it after the trailer, but yes, please see it. It's a miracle film. I loved it. Corinne, should people see one night in Miami? Yeah, it was a pretty good movie. Um, I didn't get to watch it all in one sitting, so I think that that maybe was, I don't know, it just didn't seem to flow just because of that, I think. Um, I didn't know who Jim Brown or Sam Cooke was before the movie. and Wait, I only, what? <laughs> I, yeah, I hey, Jim, Jim, Jim Brown, okay, but Sam Cooke? excuse me corinne have you seen mars attacks nope okay then you don't know who jim brown is god that's a shame but yeah sam cook is a little bit uh strange that you don't know him Mm -hmm. i mean maybe if you told me like his most famous song i'd know it but i mean the one song he sings in the movie i didn't know that so well corinne everybody was feeling great when they were twisting twisting the night away so yes sam cook is brilliant Anyway, but, and then I only kind of have, like, periphery knowledge of Malcolm X and uh, Cassius Clay, Muhammad Ali, Um, and, you know, yeah, I felt like Zach, like, I learned a lot. I don't know. It just felt kind of like, this is a weird way to describe it, it felt like a movie that I would have watched in school if I had been in school when this came out. Um, it, It feels more like an educational experience and less like a movie, if that makes sense. And I do feel like it, there was a, I think it was a play that I read at some point in college, I want to say, that it was kind of like this hypothetical conversation that Martin Luther King Jr. and Malcolm X would have had. And that was kind of the vibe I got the whole time. I just kept remembering like that play. So yeah, it, it was good. It's worth checking out for sure. Brad, should people see One Night in Miami? So am I understanding that this is not an actual event but a fabrication it is not okay um i don't know i i want to say it is a good movie but the middle is quite an endurance test um because i'm very like it's very much it has the feeling of you're watching a long scene in a play um it's very much an actor's movie like the people you know the performances are incredible but it's I think it's a tough watch as a movie because that middle section is so um is so long and it's it, you know it's, it's one room uh there's not a lot of visual opportunity for that stretch of time so I, I had a hard time watching that but otherwise like yeah performances uh what they're talking about is really really good so I don't know Agreed. Yeah, it was kind uh, of like Ma Rainey where it's like you could tell it was a play. 
Yeah. Once you got to that middle part, at least. Uh, yeah, people should watch this film because I didn't know there were still people in the world who didn't know who Sam Cooke were. So <laughs> you should definitely watch this movie then. And uh, here's, the, here's the trailer for One Night in Miami. You brothers, you could move mountains without lifting a finger. Minister Malcolm X. Good news, the chariot is coming. Who's the greatest? That's right. Jim Brown takes the ball. Your record is going to stand the test of time. All together, yeah. The entire city of Miami is celebrating. I'm the new heavyweight champion of the world, and I don't even have a scratch on my face. Oh, my goodness. Cash. Cash? Why am I so pretty? (laughs) Hey, congratulations, champ. I could get used to that. Uh, I was made in America, land of the free, home of the brave. This movement that we are in is called a struggle because we are fighting for our lives. This ain't about civil rights. They ain't giving black people what they really want. What's that? Hey, I was made in America. That's why I'm out here saved in America. Power. Black power. I like the sound of that. Uh. I wish I lived in America. We have to be there for each other. Uh, heard everybody rich. All I gotta do is run, jump, kick. I'm a kid in your area. Uh, I done made it to America. Uh, I'm amazed uh, at America. To America. We kind of touched on it one night. Miami is a fictional retelling of four important African-American men in the early 60s. And their impact they have on culture and the impact they have on not only uh, their lives and their families' lives, but also America. Mm-hmm. And all these men were real friends. Um, I do know that. I do know that um, Sam Cooke and Muhammad Ali and Cassius, or Cassius Clay, as he is for most of this movie, um, did hang out a lot. Um a lot of the points that Malcolm X brought up to Sam Cooke are true, but uh, he was uh, he was introduced to uh, Bob Dylan's uh, song through Malcolm X. He actually discovered it on his own, and he actually played it a few times live, and uh, it did inspire him to write "A Change Is Going to Come." Mm-hmm. So, I am a huge Sam Cooke fan, and I got into Sam Cooke because. Rod Stewart is a huge Sam Cooke fan and one of the greatest live albums you can ever listen to is called Sam Cooke, uh, one night stand, uh, live at the Harlem square, yep. which was not released until 1985 because they thought that it, when it was recorded in 1963, that white audiences would not respond to Sam Cooke with all that energy, with all the energy of a black crowd. Mm-hmm. which uh, is a really poor reflection of people back then. I'll be honest. Let's, um, let's call it what it was, Ryan, a crock of shit. You should have had that yeah. album as early as possible. Is that? Yeah, no, that album's incredible. Is yep. that album based on the scene that Malcolm X is talking about that he saw? So, the sequence in Boston? Boston, yeah. So, no. The, the Boston thing, I don't know if it's true or not. Uh, I'd, I'd have to look that up. But um, you really should just, it, it's, I think it's $6 on Apple. Uh, definitely 
download Sam Cooke live at the Harlem Square. And being a huge Rod Stewart fan, you can hear how he influenced Rod Stewart in that album. Mm-hmm. Because his intro when he comes out is not even a song, but it's a lot like that moment in the movie in Boston where he comes down and he says, don't fight it, you gotta feel it. Don't fight it, you gotta feel it. And the whole crowd is like cheering him on and just stomping. It's amazing. It gives you goosebumps. Um, and uh, Lamar Odom, who plays Sam Cooke, is really, really good. Yeah, uh, he, got, he got his mannerisms down so well uh, when he's singing. Um, and I, I really like, what I really liked about this film is each one of the f- main characters has a different experience with being black in America at the time. Mm-hmm. And they're not all wrong, but they're not all right. And I think that's really fascinating. And it's really cool to see Jim Brown kind of be the, the level head throughout all of the, the fights that were happening throughout the film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, in, it's interesting to look at Jim Brown at this particular point in history, because he is a very important civil rights advocate when it comes to sports, especially. Um, and in fact, there's a lot of information about, his involvement in the civil rights act and how it pertained to OJ Simpson's refusal to (laughs) participate in that. Um, uh, But uh, him being the scene where he and Malcolm are talking about um, the reality of what Sam has able to been, been able to build up for himself is, is kind of a remarkable example of restraint on the actor playing Jim Brown, um, where I, I didn't think we'd get a Jim Brown biopic ever. And this is kind of the closest you get with this. Uh, the, the the film's based on a play by Kemp Powers, who was one of the co-writers and co-directors of soul. And it's kind of like a Picasso at the Lapina Guile, where it's like a, it's like a, an interpretation of an actual event where you kind of break down these characters lives bit by bit. And Jim Brown's is, interesting because he does abruptly leave football for that movie career and the discussion that muhammad and or um, i'm trying to think is it it was sam or muhammad one of them he's having the discussion about like i'm going to be a movie star i'm going to give i'm going to be going in for this western i get killed in the i get killed um a, a little bit in he explains how much he's going to get paid if you know where jim brown's going to go uh 10 years from this point into being like a leading actor in films like slaughter like it, it's it's kind of like a nice little like nudge in the direction of like this is you have no idea where jim brown's gonna go um and uh i'm so used to re-watching malcolm x through the performance of denzel washington that it was interesting watching another actor take on the role um and i think that I like how this version of Malcolm shows his particular apprehension and frustration at this point where he's leaving the nation of Islam um, about to go to Mecca. He's being trailed by the FBI and trailed by the nation of Islam itself. And there's, you can get a true sense of the paranoia and the fear he was feeling. So it was a different type of, Malcolm X portrayal that I wasn't used to, but I was really fascinated to watch. Um, and there's, 
there's scenes in the film that it's very much an actor piece. And I totally understand where uh, Brad and Corinne are coming from where like that middle, middle act is, uh, is a bit of a stretch. And there were moments where I felt like it carried on a little bit, but um, I appreciate that they were able to divvy it up a little bit in certain sections of it. It's not, like it's not like it's not like pitch pitch perfect but those performances and the way king is able to hook in onto each of them like keeps me entranced enough um and i uh, uh ryan i was gonna ask you about the ending because i wasn't sure about mm-hmm. this did he premiere that he or i don't think it was a premiere at that point but so, like did he sing that song yeah. on Johnny? Uh, yeah actually that is a true story um However, they forgot to record it, so it doesn't exist. And oh. at the time, Sam, like I know him, Mr. Cook, um, he okay, wasn't sure he, he wanted to do it. And he was actually planning on singing a different song. So he sang, uh, they, they started with him singing the first song. I can't remember in the movie, sorry. Mm-hmm. And he was going to sing a different song, but his record producer and arranger said no you got to do this one and it was at that point where uh sam thought that he's he actually had a bigger is a bigger song than he thought that because his you know his record producer is all about the hits 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 yeah and while a change is going to come is one of the greatest songs of all time it's not poppy it's it's a it's a it's a song it's, it's with a, soul in its, its heart. Yeah. It's a yeah, it's a political song. Yeah. And they said, No, you gotta do it. So they rushed together and found the orchestra and he uh he performed it. So yeah, that is a, a real part. Do you, of do you history. think they do you think they forgot to record it or they deliberately lost it? Like, because I kinda got the feeling in that scene that um they made him sing again because they didn't want to talk to him. Uh I don't know. That's a good question. I, I I'm not that well versed I, I do I disagree with Brad's interpretation because the way that um, is it Johnny Carson framed the question of it was yeah. almost kind of like it was rehearsed. Like he wanted to segue back into the song of just kind of like, yeah, I've been writing about like the things going on around me and like how people are feeling and things of that nature. So it kind of made sense that like then you segue into that song that's very much a political song. And Johnny Carson was not one to miss the opportunity to if he had a performer like cook on with that much energy, he was not going to miss the opportunity to have more out of him as a performer. And, yeah. and Johnny was also aware of the political climate. He wasn't ignorant to it. So I don't think he and would ever try to shoo that out. You know, what's inspired Sam to write the song too, was he and his wife made reservations for a hotel in I forget the state. I want to say Alabama, somewhere down South at the holiday inn. And because of them being um, black, they were not allowed to be in that hotel. And Sam Cooke lost his mind and um, they started yelling and at the, they want to see the manager. And then when they left and went to a different hotel, the police were there and arrested him for it. And it wasn't until 2019 where uh, the city, I can't believe I can't remember the city, the city apologized to him for it and um awarded him posthumously the key to the city so it took 46 years for them to admit they made a mistake um 56 years something like that which is really sad 
Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I love Sam Cooke and I, I, it, they, they harped on, you know, well, harp is a wrong word. They mentioned uh, Malcolm X being assassinated at the end Shreveport, of the movie. Shreveport, Louisiana. Thank you. Um, uh, they harped on, you know, Malcolm X being assassinated, but uh, Sam Cooke was murdered mm. um, two weeks before Change is Going to Come was released. So Sam Cooke was also murdered. And yeah, he's kind I, of, uh, it's a really sad story. And I, I mean, I, I, I did not know that until you just said it and I just looked up the thing. Um, mm. But I did notice like at the end, there was no applause. You know, when he finishes singing the song yeah. and you do the fade to black or whatever, like there was no applause. And I was almost like, that's a little ominous. Like, I don't know. And so then when you said like, oh yeah, he gets murdered later. It's like, oh that maybe that's kind of why that that could be king's yeah. way of uh alluding to the death but i do think it is weird ryan that there i kind of wish there i don't usually like this in movies but i do wish there was like an afterword in regards to each of these figures because yeah each of them uh, malcolm is a very important figure in civil rights there's though i will never deny that ever um but uh muhammad ali mm. sam cook and Jim Brown all have an immense legacy yeah, in, in, in that scenario too. Um, and they, they touch on it in the film too, where Sam Cooke is talking about Bobby Womack's uh, it's all over now. That was one of the most amazing scenes. And, uh, he, <laughs> Sam Cooke is one of the first black artists to actually own his music. Yep. And that's why he's talking about, you know, I actually own them, which is <laughs> a kind of a great moment. And, uh, and that's like, the, you know the conflict that they have, mm-hmm. it's, and I it's thought a, it was. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, I, and I just thought it was a really interesting um, parallel between the two, where you know Malcolm X is the militant, and it's us against the, you know, the white people, and you know Sam Cooke had that great line that you know my mama cried when John F. Kennedy was assassinated, and I like John F. Kennedy, and you said that he deserved what happened to him. Yeah. I think it's really powerful because you get both sides of it. Yeah, and and this and it's interesting. I want to I wanted to bring back up again. It is interesting because this is before he gets back from Mecca and really shifts his stance before his before he's uh, assassinated. He shifted his stance way more towards the Martin Luther King realm of thinking. But at this time, yeah, he. He had made that comment about JFK. Uh, Elijah Muhammad had him silenced, which is why he's not, you know, he's more just shadowing and following around Muhammad and, you know, being his sp- spiritual advisor. Um, and actually, I uh, I wanted to bring this up. First of all, Aldous Hodge playing Jim Brown is amazing. He's also in The Invisible Man from last year, and he's wonderful in that too. But Eli Gorey as Cassius, then Muhammad Ali, I think this is my favorite portrayal of muhammad ali on screen i i would put this over will smith i think that he's got good energy good charisma i I think he taps into especially that era of cassius clay much more yeah like he comes across as vain but not in a way that makes you like dislike him yeah no it's the same amount of confidence that muhammad had at that time especially Mm -hmm. and 
I think Will Smith obviously brings his personality into that particular portrayal, but Eli Gordy does this really wonderful job of towing this line between who who is the braggart out on the ring fighting and making all the comments and the back talk, and then who is the guy who you know was you know conflicted enough and feeling passionate enough in his heart to join this particular sect of uh, of, an, of a religion and uh, having Malcolm as that spiritual guide. Like there's a very, very um, delicate balance that he has to, to, to handle in the movie. I think he's, he and uh, Jim Brown kind of get undersold a little bit in terms of their performances. But I think that those are kind of, it's weird to say that the Muhammad Ali, Ali performance is a subtle performance, but it very much is when you consider the arguments and conflicts that Sam and Malcolm have. Um, and, uh, and that scene that Ryan mentioned about the Bobby Womack story, like, I don't think I, Leslie Odom Jr. Like owned that screen in a way that I think the last time I saw him would have been in that murder in the Orient express movie. And I just, I had no idea who the hell he was in that movie. So seeing him here just unload and unleash, like it was more, it was remarkable. Um, we haven't even talked like this is Regina King's directorial debut. This is like a remarkable swing out the gate. Like this is fantastic. I think it's beautifully shot, well staged, well executed. Every the blocking's beautiful. I I I dug it. Yeah. yeah, my problems are more with like the structuring and the pacing because and I, granted it's just me, I guess. I can't help but compare this to Ma Rainey's Black Bottom just given the subject matter and the fact that they're both state, you know, they both originate with stage plays. Um, which side note, the one I was referencing earlier, that's like the fictional meeting between Martin Luther King Jr. and Malcolm X is called The Meeting, if you want to look that up. Um, and I think the difference for me is that Ma Rainey, it one, it's shorter, it's like 20 or 30 minutes shorter. And two, I felt like it had a little bit more of not like an energy, but just more of a plot, I guess, because like the whole thing is like they're recording the song. So that whole first two thirds, you know, you're waiting for them to record the song. Um, And that's kind of like what's driving the conflict that's going on within the studio and everybody going, you know, everybody's conversations. Um, You know, you're just waiting for this thing to happen. But with the one night in Miami, I'm like, what am I waiting for here? Like, what's the plot? Like, they're just hanging out, I guess. I yeah, don't know. I was equally as frustrated. Like, really? Like, you just won this title fight and you're all going to hang out in this room and hash out <laughs> I, social issues? Like, I thought the I, same thing, Brad. <laughs> I, I, I want to go out and party too. Like, because that's, but that's, that's where Cassius, that, then Muhammad was at that point. That's well, where he was. Because this is all leading it's a, up to, a fictional, yeah. like, like, okay, it's, it's contrived. So that makes sense. Um, we, um, I, have, I have one last note. Can we get a biopic now of Johnny Carson and Ed McMahon with those two actors? Because I thought they were pretty damn good as Johnny and Ed. <laughs> I didn't realize I, that was Johnny Carson until the credits. <laughs> uh, no, it, that's Johnny. He says John, he says Ed, and it's like, oh, that should be yeah more I than figured apparent. That was who that was. I think but, he doesn't. He doesn't have to look exactly like Johnny. I just think he nails the nails the characteristics very well. Doesn't do a, an impression. You know, well, 
I, one last thing I wanted to say is like, you know, comparing it to Ma Rainey, it's like Ma Rainey um, had like two big A-listers kind of, you know, as the foundation for that and Viola Davis and then obviously Chadwick Boseman. But here, like the cast does a phenomenal job. And I, I, I didn't realize like the one guy had been in the or- murder on the Orange Express. I recognize the guy who plays Jim Brown because I think he was in Leverage or something back in the day. Yes, he was. Um, I was looking this up a second ago. He's in Leverage and he's in a yeah. couple of other things. So I think that's what I, but yeah, like all the, uh, the other main cast members, like I didn't know who they were. So I really hope like this shows exactly that the acting chops that they have and, you know, propels them to stardom. So I think like this movie stands on its own two legs, despite not having any like A-listers in the main cast. Cool. Uh, next week, we're either going to do uh, the small thing or the little things. The little or, things. Uh, or uh, Psycho Gorman. We'll, uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll let you know. Why couldn't we do both? Can we see the medium things instead? <laughs> if we can squeeze it in. I mean, it's not like we have a ton of movies we can go... <laughs> Uh, fill up each week each week with so it might be good to pace them out rather than yeah double up you know mm-hmm. i'm not saying like we can't do like like i would only, I, I would only say say I, uh, I would only say psycho gorman now just because it's been out already so although i don't know i don't know how vod like what their schedule is like it might be out forever i don't know but like little things comes out this week so it feels like there's more time to catch it okay we'll figure it out whatever yeah or we flip yep. them i don't know when we flip why I mean, we one flip of them's got it? denzel washington in it so <laughs> true but the other one is an independent film like it or an independent dish film correct brad psycho uh... gorman yeah, I guess there's no like big studio ahead of it. Then, then maybe be a good time to support aspiring filmmaker or like lower level, <laughs> mid level filmmakers. I mean, it's not high art, believe me. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's, it's a movie called Psycho Gorman. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be down to watch this. I'm saying we could do both, like, but it's it's just not in the same week. Yeah, mm. I'll look at the schedule. Or we review the album uh, of Sam Cooke at, at the Harlem Square. I think that would be a cool album. I'm down for that, too. <laughs> yeah, let's do an album review. It's not a movie. It, it can be a movie if we dream it. I mean, hey, I, were you, don't were, fight it. You got to feel it, okay? Were you there for uh, Film Explosion 2020? Video games and books are films now. <laughs> James decided that the rules don't apply. At which least does why- have a visual component. There's nothing visual in if you're listening to an album, unless there's like a something that goes with it. Uh, really? Your imagination. You yeah, I say, Corinne, you can't close your eyes and just feel the energy. And um, it also I mean, didn't come out this year. So I mean, it, but you know what? I appreciate James for breaking down those boundaries because my number one film explosion selection for 2021 will be to be or not to be from 1942 because the rules don't matter no more. Well, at the very least, it was there are all things that came out in 2020. So even if it wasn't films, you know, it was still like a 2020 list. Yeah, that's true. You know, actually, actually, I was curious: Is One Night Miami a 2021 movie or a 2020? 
think it's 2020 because they got it in for the Oscars. Okay, for sure. Well, that deadline hasn't extended, but I just didn't know if it was supposed to pop up last year, and that's there. The delays happened, but yeah. but anyway, yeah. Anyways, but anyway, see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Nerds Podcast. Real Nerds Podcast is a production of Nebulous Visions Multimedia. Thank you to Sparks Mandrill and Plan 9 Studios for our kick-ass theme song. Also, if you're in the Denver area and you're looking for a cool place to see movies, we see them at the Alamo Draft House in Littleton and now also in Sloan's Lake. Thank you to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics for supplying us with all our comic needs, especially you, Andrew. You know who you are. And a big shout out to James's mom. I'm giving you an electronic hug that you can feel through the airwaves. Thanks for listening and have a nice day.